Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC 241 is finally upon us. It is one of the biggest cards of the year. We're going to be breaking down all of those top three fights that you guys are so pumped about a little bit later on in the show. But before we do that, we're going to be talking to two of the fighters fighting on the card. We're going to be talking to Devante Smith and Corey Sanhagen, who both have huge fights on their plate as they try to keep their UFC win streaks going. Plus, we'll be going around the news, all that's happening in the UFC and the MMA world, and doing our famed combat countdown this week. We'll be counting down the top five upsets in the history of MMA. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Go to adkfightwear.com, use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, and you're going to get 20% off some high-quality jujitsu gear. Look, I've been doing jujitsu for a long time, all the way up to purple belt, no big deal. And let me tell you something, I've had rash guards, I've had shorts, I've had them from tons of companies, and what usually happens is the seams wind up fraying, or maybe your your rash guard starts to pill a little bit, because it hit the Velcro in the dryer, right? Not with ADK Fightwear. ADK Fightwear's gear holds up against the test of time. I've had the same rash guard with them for, it seems like, forever. The arm bars and stripes rash guard, it's a nice little short sleeve rash guard, and This thing looks brand new. The colors still pop. The seams are all put together. No pills anywhere on it. This thing is absolutely amazing. And if you use our promo code, once again, TURTLE, all lowercase, you can get that rash guard for just 20 bucks. That's right, just 20 bucks, which is absolutely amazing. You'll find no other deals like that anywhere online. So head on over there, check out their geese, spats, rash guards, whatever it is you need, adkfightwear.com. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode. Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland from Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Devonte Smith, who fights Clay Coward at UFC 241 on August 17th. So, Devante, before we get talking about Clay Coward, I want to talk to you about the fight that was booked originally. You were supposed to fight John McDessie, and, and I'm not sure if you've seen it, but recently, John McDessie called out Nazrat Hakparast following a big knockout win. He said he was injured and pulled out of the fight. What are sort of your thoughts on him already calling somebody else out? He's sweet. Let <laughs> me straight up. He's sweet. I already... I already acknowledged that to him uh, all day yesterday on Twitter or Instagram, tagged him and everything. He came out with some little excuse. Or, like I like pretty that's what it is. I mean, it's an excuse. It's not a reason because that's like like when you when you pull out of a fight, you know, due to injury, and you know you're supposed to you're supposed to be quiet. You know, anybody's supposed to, supposed to hear from you. Only thing we're supposed to hear from you is, "Sir, you went great. I'm healing up." You know, that's that's all we're supposed to hear. But you out here calling somebody else out the week before we supposed to fight. So that's just letting me know you ain't want that work. And you're going to get this work. So, you know, no, I, I, at first I let it go because, you know, stuff happens. But after that, nah, I'm going to have to see you. And is that a fight you still want? Would you still like to fight John McDessie down the yep. road? Yep. Yep, because he's sweet. <laughs> yep. All right, well, we'll be looking forward to that one, though. Now, let's talk a little bit about Clay Coward. Now, obviously, he's just re-entering the UFC after being out for a while. He was released back in 2015. You're 2-0, 3-0 if you count your win on the Contender Series. Are you a little bit disappointed about this matchup? Did you want a bigger name here? 
No, not really. I mean, a fight is a fight. I mean, I'm still getting paid. But I'm more so like, you know, I mean, I'm still fighting on the biggest, uh, one of the biggest cars uh, of the year. Uh, I'm still going to get uh, get that win. I'm becoming 11-1 August 17th. And, you know, I'm still staying positive, not overlooking my new opponent, not underestimating him uh, in any way, shape, or form. I have nothing but respect for him because, you know, uh, from my knowledge, they couldn't find nobody for me. And he stepped up to the plate, you know, within a two-week notice, um, and, and I really do appreciate him for, for doing that. Absolutely. And you mentioned the, the big card, right? UFC 241 is a huge card. Is there a fight you're looking forward to watching as, as sort of a fight fan on it? Uh, not really. I mean, after I fight the year, so I guess maybe the Nate Diaz versus um, Anthony Pett, which hopefully is, I mean, from, from what people keep telling me yesterday, uh, there's a lot of good fights uh, on there, but the main thing is Stipe versus DC, you know, because Stipe from Cleveland, Ohio. But other than that, I, I'm more so focused on my fight, and after my fight, then I'll be like, oh, I can't wait to watch these guys because I'll be forgetting a lot of them or even fighting on the card. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously it's a chance to make a big impression too because, you know, last time out, out in Australia, the crowd was clearly loving your post-fight interview. They, they loved every second of it. Do, do you feel like that's your chance to make another big statement here on another huge pay-per-view card? Uh, yeah, you know, go in there, do what I do best, and let Sean Brighton win. And uh, depending on how I feel and how, how the fight goes and the, and the victory, you know, I do my thing, and we just go from there. Absolutely. Now, now you also got a teammate fighting on here, another Factory X guy in, in Ian Heinish. How has it been sort of getting ready beside one of your teammates? Is it something that you're used to? Is it something that you like? Uh, what, what's sort of been the, the feeling about that? Oh, I mean, it's cool. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see him uh, also get a win. You know, Ian's been through a lot. Uh, this is probably it's, it's, this is also his third uh, UFC fight as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's already ranked 10th in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and that man puts in work. And, you know, he helps me out with certain things. Um, and his pressure is just crazy. So I see why he be doing people the way he be doing them. Because he be having me like, whew, whew. But, you know, I'm just excited. It's not really, you know, I, I never really cared about fighting with teammates or not fighting with teammates because it's a team sport. And at the end of the day, it's an individual sport. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned his pressure, too, because Clay Collard is known that, that he can put the pressure on a little bit, too. Are you expecting him to sort of uh, try to come out and make a statement, or are, are you sort of planning on leading the dance here? Um, I, I feel like his style is more so of a pressure-type fighter, which is no problem to me. You know, we have a lot of uh, pressure-type fighters at our gym. I fought a lot of uh, pressure-type fighters uh, in my career, and, you know, it seems like he's more of a, like a boxer, you know, pressure, which is cool because that's what I like to do. I like boxing. So we get that thing. We're going to still get that W. Absolutely. And, and it, just uh, before I let you go here, what's your prediction? How, how do you get that W when it all goes down on uh, August 17th? I don't really know. You know, I'm still looking at, you know, uh, I'm still looking at his tapes. But, you know, at the end of the day, my goal is to win. You know, whether it's by KO, TKO, or unanimous, uh, unanimous decision. You know, uh, and, and just really just go from there. I don't really like calling, oh, first round to get the knockout. 
you know, second round, I'm going to just go in there, fight, and get the win. All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, this is Devontae Smith, who fights Clay Coward at UFC 241 on August 17th. Devontae, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Corey Sandhagen, who fights Rafael Asuncao at UFC 241 on August 17th. So, Corey, you've been in the UFC for just about a year and a half. Here you are fighting the number three guy in the world. Does that all feel fast to you? Uh, yeah, definitely feels really fast. I think... Um... In a lot of ways, I got pretty lucky, I'd say. <laughs> well, in what ways did you get lucky? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, some good performances are behind that. But but why would you say that you were lucky? Uh, I'd say I'm lucky. Um, one, because that uh, Thomas Almeida fight got scrapped. Um, and I think that t- fighting someone in the top 15 was probably about, uh, based on, especially based off the performances that I had, um, probably pretty fair for me to get in my third fight. Um, but Thomas Almeida pulled out and then it became Lineker, which jumped me up like a whole nother five spots into the top 10. So, um, I, I mean, obviously that fight got scrapped too, but, uh, after that, there was still a lot of buzz around that fight. And, uh, especially because of my fight in Brooklyn and, and how well I performed, I was able to, uh, I was able to solidify that fight afterwards. So, I mean, I would say instead, I, I'm maybe like one or two fights ahead of maybe uh, where I would be had that not have had to happen. Yeah, and you're right. There was a ton of hype about that fight, right? Like instantly people were all about it when you were booked. You know, people were calling for you to be the replacement of Thomas Almeida. Why do you think that is, being that you're not really much of a trash talker? You know, you're, you're not like all over social media throwing shit in people's face. Why do you think that they were so about it? Um, I think people really respect when people have skills and, um, I would say the sport has come to a point where you either recognize people have skill or you recognize that they don't. And, uh, that's kind of where we are in the sport a little bit with the fan base. So, um, I mean, I don't need to do all of that. Like, even in, if I have a terrible fight, it's going to be an exciting fight. So like people like watching good fights at the end of the day, they like the trash talk. They like all of that, but I mean, if you look at, like, some of the really top guys, uh, like Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar, um, GSP, a lot of those guys, I mean, they don't do a ton of trash talking either. They just kind of let the fighting talk for themselves, and, um, and I mean, I take that approach, too. Well, and you can certainly let the fighting talk for itself when you fight at UFC 241. Let's talk about Rafael Asuncao for a second. Now, obviously, one of the things that you've showed off the best in your UFC career is your grappling. You know, you've got a really, a couple of really nice submission wins. You look good on the takedown. Asuncao is notoriously a guy who doesn't allow takedowns. He's only allowed one in his last five fights. He stuffed Eljamain Sterling three out of three times. Are you the type of person to change that trend around? Um... I don't really care. You know, I'm, I'm in no, like, position to prove anything to anyone. Like, uh, I think that my striking is definitely my uh, toughest to deal with. I don't know if it's, it's maybe my my strongest suit. I would say I'm a pretty good grappler and a pretty good wrestler as well. But um, the style of striking that I have is really hard to figure out in a 15-minute, 25-minute fight. So um, I, I definitely utilize the the kind of uh, very dynamic style that I have in striking to my advantage, but um, 
I mean, if he gives me a takedown, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, that's kind of always my philosophy. If they're going to give you the takedown, that's easy points. Those are easy minutes. So, uh, I mean, if he does that, then cool. But I, I don't try to force anything just to prove any points to anyone. All right, so I want to I want to talk about where this fight puts you too, because obviously you you did have a really quick rise up the division, but he's ranked number three, so obviously a win here puts you not that far out of title contention. Is that something on your mind as you approach twenty twenty? Yeah, I mean that makes total sense to me, especially I don't know what like the whole Cejudo situation is, uh, as far as like him going down to twenty five, or even when his shoulder is going to be better in general. So. I mean, if he goes down to 25, I'm uh, I'm guessing the UFC is going to need some type of interim belt uh, at 135 because I don't see that being fought for for at least a year and a half, uh, which would really be a bummer for the division if nothing was moving uh, for that long. So I'm assuming that they're going to do some type of interim belt after this one. Uh, assuming I beat a Sun Sal, I'm guessing it's either going to be me or Jan, uh, or me, Jan, or Sterling. Um but, uh, I mean, I hope that that's what they do is they give it to one of us three. Uh, I know that I'm not the biggest name in the sport right now. I don't have, like, a huge following uh, on social media and things like that. But, uh, like I said, man, like, my fighting speaks for itself. People will start to pick up on that. Uh, and hopefully the, the, the UFC will kind of recognize that as well, that um, they have this guy that can articulate his words and also put on really exciting fights and, and do it at a very high level and um i mean i just hope that that's what they're looking for but i know that they run it like a business sometimes too so uh interim belt makes sense for me after this one against either sterling or young and if you did get that shot would you have a preference of which of those two you'd rather face no it makes no difference to me i would probably let my coaches decide that one uh I don't like having any say in any of the, the picking opponents and blah, blah, blah. My job is to go out and perform the best I can against whoever it is. and um, I let everyone else make the decisions uh, as to who that is. So even with this uh, Sun Sal fight, you didn't call for it? You didn't, uh, you know, you didn't have the final say to say yes? You, you left that up to your coaches? Yep, left it up to my coaches. Uh, I, I don't I don't think fighters should really have too much say in who they, who they get to fight. Um one, like, you don't ever want to say no to anyone because, I mean, that that's kind of could be seen as bringing up some insecurities or, or some lack of confidence in beating that person. Uh, and then, two, like, I mean, your coaches have your backs more than, more than anyone else. Those are the people that I know really care about me. They've been around the sport much longer than me, so uh, I'm going to let them make the decisions from, from there. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, I wanted to ask you, just before I let you go here, this is a big fight card. UFC 241, it's a great chance to showcase what you're doing, but it's also a really fun night of, of fights if you're a fight fan. Is there a fight in this on this card other than your own that you're particularly looking forward to? Yeah, man, I'm really excited to watch how Stipe fights again. Uh, I think that Stipe kind of got rode off after that last DC fight, and uh, DC's uh, gained a, a ton of momentum in the last year, year and a half, two years. So, uh, I mean, I think people are really, really right now Stipe. And uh, I don't know, I, I kind of want to see what happens in that fight. I want to see how Stipe rises to the occasion. And I, and I want to kind of see how uh, how hard DC has been, been able to train, especially with all of, all of the hype around him. So uh, that's the one I'm definitely most pumped for. All right, and the only final thing I'm going to ask is if everything goes as planned against Hefei Alessandro, how do you see this one ending? 
Uh, I have no idea, man. Um, Rafael fights a little bit of a slower fight than I do, so um, I know I'm just going to put it on him for the whole 15 minutes, uh, not give him too many breaks. And uh, I mean, he, he's very experienced, and he's, and he's been around the game for a really long time, so I don't know how many mistakes he'll make, but uh, when he does make a couple mistakes, uh, I know that I'll be on top of him here, uh, re- ready for the finish. But a sun sounds very good, very hard to finish. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, this is Corey Sandhagen, who fights Rafael Asuncao at UFC 241. Corey, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Dan. And those interviews with Devontae Smith and Corey Sandhagen are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social, is the one and only social media app for whatever martial art you train. That's right, it started off as a jiu-jitsu app, now it's an app that helps you track your progress no matter what martial arts you train. And let me tell you how this works. You're going to go to whatever app store you use, you're going to download the Maroon Social app. Once you got it, you can set up your profile with not only your name and your username, but you can also set up what your primary martial art is, what your belt level is, and what gym you go to. You can even tag your instructor so that he knows and, and you guys can work together that way. After that, you can log your training sessions. You can tag buddies maybe that you're training with, all kinds of cool features like that. But then the best part about it is you can check your training log and it shows you whether or not you're making progress over time, you're training more, you're training less, and maybe some of the techniques you're, you're leaving behind. It's a wonderful way to make sure that you're making the progress you want in MMA or any singular martial art you train. So check it out. Once again, that's Maroon Social. Now I'm Dan Gumby Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I'm really excited to see that Devontae Smith fight. Man, I really wish it was John McDessey. Great MMA minds think alike. I feel the same exact way. I wish it was against McDessey. Yeah, and, and with Clay Collard dropping out, too, after this interview, he's on to a third replacement. Karma Worthy, you know, a fun and thin opponent, but ultimately I want to see this guy against some of the top dudes in the division. Very much looking forward to that, and also looking forward to our favorite segment on the podcast, well, tied for our favorite segment. It's the fastest fight news. We deliver the news to you in under 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free. Gumby, uh, you know, I think there's no better place to start than this. It makes me almost fatigued. I'm fatigued just to even have to go over this. Dana White said he is open to Jones versus Cormier. The trilogy, of course, Jones is 2-0, and although I guess in the record books it's really – one oh and one no contest but he had kicked the shit out of daniel cormier that's two and oh in my books are you open to this fight as a trilogy fight uh i don't like it as a trilogy fight i'm thinking this probably has to do more with running out of contenders for john jones than anything else but look there are still a lot of exciting fights for daniel cormier should he get by steve amiosic this this weekend you know like i'd love to see him fight uh francis naganu you know like Junior Dos Santos is on the way up again. I, I dig watching him fight Junior Dos Santos. Obviously, he just got beat by by Naganu, but I, I think there are a lot of contenders for uh, Daniel Cormier, and I think he just needs to wait and let the John Jones contenders build up. If this is meant to be, we'll see it a year or two down the line. They did mention it could be at heavyweight for DC's title, and then Jones would maybe, you know, with a win, 
become the UFC heavyweight champion. Now he's defending against guys like Stipe, uh, maybe even a Naganu, which is kind of a fun, almost freakish fight. But yeah, for me, I'm underwhelmed by the whole thing. Also underwhelmed by UFC Uruguay. The only real newsworthy tidbit to come out of it was Mike Perry's busted up nose. Yeah, how gnarly was that thing, dude? Like, that looked like uh, what 30 years of fighting did to Andre Arlovsky, Vicente Luque did to Mike Perry in 15 minutes, which is freaking crazy. I just kept thinking of Mike Goldberg. So you want to be an ultimate fighter? (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. But you know what, though, too? A lot of people had him winning that fight, which is insane, too. Perry's a tough dude. Uh, speaking of tough dude, Little Nog, rumored to be retiring, TMZ breaking news. He's not retiring. Uh, he's going to meet Trevor Smith at UFC Sao Paulo. I- I'll watch it. You know, I love watching uh, Little Nog fight no matter what. Yeah, I mean, is it time, though? I mean, it's it's this last one. If he wins, I guess. He's going to keep going, but if he loses, he's got to hang it up, right? I would say so, but you got to remember, this is a guy who beat Sam Alvey fairly recently. You know, like, it's not like he hasn't had a decent win lately. You know, it's not like he's BJ Penn walking around with, like, seven straight losses. This is a guy who, who goes in and he's still got good boxing. His jiu-jitsu's still adequate. I mean, Sam Alvey's not an easy dude to knock out. Well, speaking of names who uh, are rumored not to be in the UFC anymore, although this one now confirmed by MMA Junkie, Kat Zingano was released 3-4 and four in the UFC after all was said and done. Former title challenger lost in the blink of an eye to Ronda Rousey. No longer in the UFC, Gumby. Yeah, I think this one is probably, and I hate to see it because the bantamweight division badly needs some like names, if not if for nothing else, to build other names off of. You know what I mean? You know, Juliana Pena fighting her would be big deal. You know, like Nico Montano fighting her would be a big deal for her career. So like they need people like this to help build their stars up. But at the same time, like, you know, she fights so infrequently. I I think she's fought four times in the last four years. And I know she had shit going on in her life that was really heavy stuff. But at the same time, we've seen the UFC make these cuts, right? John Lineker walked out the door before. I'm more upset about John Lineker than I am Kat Zingano. Well, you mentioned maybe building potential stars, and the UFC is doing just that in Dan Hooker. And we have a banger of a fight announcement taking place in Melbourne, he's going to fight Ray Janelle. What a great fight. Oh, I love that fight, too. And a lot of people, like, dropped their Dan Hooker stock after that Edson Barboza fight because Edson Barboza, you know, put a number on him. But then when we've seen what Edson Barboza has done in his career, I mean, like, maybe we should be a little lighter on that loss there because he has beaten some absolute killers. I mean, he went out and beat Gilbert Burns, who's out there doing work at 170 pounds now. I mean, he looked great in his last fight. I'm excited for this one. I might pick Hooker. Well, I am very excited about that fight. And I'm also excited about our next segment. It's Combat Countdown. We're counting down the top five upsets in MMA history. But before we get to that, Gumby, I wonder, does any company sponsor this combat countdown? 
As always, the Combat Countdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Head to SISUGuard.com for the only mouthguard that allows you to talk, breathe, and drink, all with that mouthguard still in your mouth. There's tiny little perforations in there that give you a little bit of airflow so that you don't have to worry about taking that mouthguard out, getting it all grimy. Be sure to use promo code TOPTURTLE15 to get 15% off all your mouthguard purchases. All right, we threw this question out to our Twitter. Got a tremendous amount of feedback. What's the biggest upset uh, in your mind in UFC history? Fans are very passionate about what they felt was the biggest upset. Uh, but we narrowed down the list. We're very proud of the list. And we'll start with one where when I say this man lost, it's kind of become almost regular at this point for him. But this loss was when he was, Invincible, and I, of course, am talking about when Bigfoot Silva defeated Fedor. Yeah, so everybody was talking about Fedor being mostly invincible, right? And then we get that Verdum loss, right? And the Verdum loss, definitely an upset. But the reason it wasn't as big of an upset is because right after that, they set up this Grand Prix that is basically designed to get Fedor a big money rematch against Verdum and have them really cash everything in. Verdum winds up losing to Overeem, but even more importantly, Fedor gets beat up by Bigfoot Silva, who really goes on to a mediocre career after that, right? And and I don't think anybody in their right mind would have picked Bigfoot going into that fight. Like, Big, Bigfoot was did not have a ton of hype around him going into that. He'd just come off a win over Mike Kyle. So, you know, like nobody's really chanting Bigfoot's name and we get to see him absolutely squish Fedor, uh, uh, Dr. Stoppage after the second round. It's pretty amazing. Well, speaking of squishing, uh, this upset involved a squished jaw because Luke Rockle did not want to put his fists up and really underestimated Michael Bisping's striking. I, of course, am talking about Bisping over Rockle for that middleweight bat belt. Yeah, and I think that this one's such a crazy upset, too, because if you think about the fight that got Bisping the title fight, right, the whole reason he's fighting for it is a fight I thought he lost. I thought he lost to an aged Anderson Silva. He got stung by Anderson Silva, who wasn't really stinging anybody at that point in time, right? He threw that knee, almost knocked Bisping out. Bisping somehow winds up with the decision. He gets to fight a dude who is much more deadly at the time than uh, Anderson, and here we go. Rockhold drops his hands and gets knocked the fuck out by Michael Bisping. Well, that middleweight title was really a source of a few upsets uh, because number three is, of course, Weidman beating Anderson Silva the first time. Yeah, and I think the first time was so crazy because Anderson Silva had entered that territory of people you don't pick against until they lose. You know, I, I felt Mighty Mouse is that way. Uh, I felt GSP was that way. You know, I felt, um, you know, there are probably only a couple in history. You know, Habib has kind of entered that, that territory for me. Anderson Silva was that times a thousand. You know what I mean? Like, Anderson Silva looked untouchable. And a lot of people forget he was getting dominated in that fight. It wasn't like just the lucky punch. You know, that's the, the narrative people really like to tell. He was getting beat up quite a little bit in that fight. Uh, well, speaking of getting beat up, this more or less ended the career, although she had one more fight thereafter. Uh, what an upset at the time. Holly Holm over Ronda Rousey for that women's 135-pound title. 
Yeah, and I think I probably would have put this at number one overall if if when you look at it, Holly Holm didn't have such like an amazing background. But her background was amazing. You think about all the you know boxing, kickboxing background she had. She looked good so far in MMA. You know, like when you look at the difference between this one and what will be our number one. She had a reasonable amount of hype behind her. That being said, Ronda Rousey was one of the biggest stars this sport has ever seen. And she goes out as a massive favorite in a fight she's supposed to absolutely dominate and gets knocked cold. Uh, well, speaking of getting knocked cold, although I guess we didn't actually get knocked out cold, but what a, what a knockout this was and what an upset at the time. It, I think it's a, a very good choice for number one. It's Matt Sarah over GSP for the 170-pound title. Yeah, and this one will always be my number one because, and this is the difference between Matt Sarah winning and Holly Holm winning, is Matt Sarah at the time had to go on a season of the Ultimate Fighter called The Comeback because the UFC had given up on him, right? Like, he didn't have this amazing background like Holly had. He wasn't on an amazing career trajectory. He had to find his way back into the UFC. Look, that season was won by two fighters, Matt Serra and Travis Luter. So, like, you're using him in the same sentence as Travis Luter, and then he goes out and knocks out an icon like that. And, and granted, you know, a lot of people are saying that that's not even Matt Serra's best, you know, like, weapon is his hands. But that makes it even better, right? Like, who thought he would be able to throw a punch that would knock down, never mind knock out, GSP? Well, that's our list, and we're sticking to it. Bigfoot over Fedor, Bisping over Rockhold, Weidman over Silva, Holly over Ronda, and Matt Sarah over GSP. Hit us up on our Twitter, at MMA. Let us know if you love the list. Let us know if you hated the list. We're accepting both love and hate feedback. We have a big UFC this coming weekend, and we have a breakdown of that UFC. But first, Gumby, would you tell us, does any company sponsor said breakdown? And this UFC 241 breakdown is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Head to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code FLOW for 20% off underwear that is changing the underwear game. It's innovative. Front pouch keeps things aerated so you do not have to worry about getting too sweaty. Also, while giving you the support you need, it is definitely, definitely, if you do any physical activity, the underwear you want to get your hands on. Now, I'm going to talk about the three big fights because obviously everybody knows what fights we're interested about in this one. In the main event, call me crazy. I'm going with Stipe Miocic over Daniel Cormier. I know that this is kind of a hot take here, but Stipe at a plus 120 dog. I think he's got a great chance. Don't get me wrong. He got tagged by DC. He's been tagged before in the past. I think he comes out with a smarter game plan here. I can't see DC wrestling him up. If this goes a little bit longer in the fight, I really do think it's Stipe Miocic's fight. Um, in the co-main event, I'm taking Anthony Showtime Pettis over Nate Diaz. Pettis betting off at negative 130. Look, I think he's more diverse in the way that he strikes. I think he can deal with the pitter-patter of Nate Diaz's Stockton slap. And I think in the end, his leg kicks probably do it for him. Because, you know, Nate Diaz is famous for not checking leg kicks. And in the third fight, I'm taking Yoel Romero over Paulo Costa. I love the, the Costa rise. I, I've been really interested in watching him fight. I just think this is so much of a step up for him. Seeing Yoel Romero, who's put it, you know, gone toe-to-toe with Robert Whitaker really closely twice. 
He's betting off at negative 150. I still like him at that price. Um, even though, you know, like maybe a little bit of me is hoping Paulo Costa can pull this off for a fresh face at the top of the division. So once again, that's Stipe Miocic over DC, Pettis over Diaz, Yoel Romero over Paulo Costa. And that's going to do it for this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. I want to first thank our sponsors. We could not do it without them. Sisu Mouthguards, ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, and Maroon Social. Make sure you download that Maroon Social app if you train any martial art. I also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. We would not be able to give you this content without them. We also want to remind you to check out our Twitter. At Top Turtle MMA, we got all kinds of fun trivia, tidbits, contests, and other great content that you're going to want to check out each and every week. And speaking of every week, I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland, he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will see you next week.